Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm your co-host, Young Mi Mayer. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Park. And today we are going to be, we have a very incredibly special guest joining us. Um, she is probably one of the most famous Asian Americans in my mind. And, and in my Americans mind, too. Minds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Americans' minds. In America. In and America. your mind. She, it's, it's, and my mind. It's the most important person that I've ever been around. <laughs> I can do a few others. <laughs> I, me- I met her and about Brian's 10 never minutes. Been ar- <laughs> I, well, I met her 10 minutes ago, and I'm just starstruck. He, he, I can fe- I'm one of the most important. <laughs> he threw up. <laughs> That's okay. Also responsible for probably 10% of the music that I listened to in my entire life. Oh, my God. I've... Yeah, really building yeah. her up, but yeah. she Never is the one. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I oh, did. Yeah. I did some research, and I was like, "Wow, these are all of my high school bangers and my college bangers." Wow, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. Our entire lives. Yeah. Most important person we have ever met, Nancy Wang. <laughs> Nancy Wang. Nancy Wang. It's actually Wong. Wong. Nancy is it Wong. Wong? Is it Wong? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a Korean name. I should know. Yeah. Huang. Yeah. It's Nancy Huang. Nancy Huang. Yeah, Brian. But aside from being the most famous American in existence, uh, for our listeners, how would you like to, I don't know, describe yourself or? Uh, I'm a musician and a DJ. Yeah. You're a DJ. I want to tell this. Okay. So (laughs) this is what I'm going to do right now. I want to tell this hilarious story. Because the first time I met you, uh-huh. Nancy Huang, uh-huh. I unfortunately didn't know who you were because I'm, <laughs> I'm an uncultured swine. And we were at a party. I don't know if you remember this. Uh-huh. Okay, so we were at a party uh-huh. and I met you and you were like, oh, la, what do you do? And I was like, la, da, da, who cares? And then I was like, what do you do? And you're like, I am a musician. And I was like, oh, is that hard? <laughs> Are you struggling in New York City? Is that hard? I was like so condescending. <laughs> I was like, how's that going, Nancy? I think I probably thought you were asking me genuinely, like, is that hard? Is that difficult? Tell me about your experience. <laughs> What's it like and for you? you? And then you said, you were like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh because uh i kind of sort of did this project and it 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 kind of did well and i was like what's it called nancy well what's this project called and you're like it's a lcd sound system (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and i literally just like crumpled into a ball (laughs) (laughs) and just like rolled out of the room i was like oh Oh my god, I'm such I, an I, idiot. I'm just experiencing a wave of secondhand embarrassment I'm, on your I'm behalf right so now. I'm so embarrassed right now reliving <laughs> this story, but you were so nice. You're like, um, no. <laughs> You're just being so sweet. Yeah, and you put her in a tough spot because she's like trying to be humble about it. Be like, yeah, I just finished this thing. I don't know. And you being you, like, well, what is it? What is it? Let me what, know what what's it is. What's it called? What, what is it? What's a stupid project called? Being a fucking stupid bitch. It's oh, like, my God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go crumple idiot. into a ball now. Yeah. And, um, well, I don't remember. I don't, don't rem- I don't remember that particular exchange. And then, meanwhile, young me thinks about it every night before she goes to bed. Every day, I spiral out of control (laughs) thinking about it. (laughs) Like rocking back and forth in a chair, like alone in my room. She's an LCD sound system. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm such. And then I feel like the next time I saw you, it was like at, at another party. You probably don't remember this either. But you were like with Karen O. <laughs> and you were like, hey, Yummy, this is my friend Karen. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I started screaming and just ran out of the room. I was like, what is going on? My ears are like turning red. I'm so embarrassed. I'm such a loser. No, you're not. But no. that is a very, very funny story. Uh, it's so embarrassing. So, so here we are, Brian. <laughs> I'm here. Are you here? Um, Are you back now? I'm Are you back. here? My ears hurt because they're so red. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Um, but we, sorry, I'm going to get serious now. We're actually talking about a really interesting topic. And we, um, Nancy, you were talking about this last time I saw you. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to talk to you about this on the podcast. It's depression, mm-hmm. talking about depression, but also um, talking about treating depression with psychedelics. Yep. Which is something that you have done or I have done right okay yeah and so that's our topic for today but before we start are my ears still red <laughs> you feel like hot no your ears are good now okay good yeah. I feel like they're gonna <laughs> explode off my body I'm so embarrassed right now <laughs> you did finish your cold brew <laughs> oh my god yeah maybe it's too much coffee again <laughs> is my pro- okay so before we begin Brian how are you feeling how am I feeling I am feeling so fucking sore right now <sighs> I can't even lift my arms above my head <laughs> And the reason why I'm so sore is that I did a workout class on, what is it? Today's Thursday. I did a workout class on Tuesday called Tone House. Oh, wow. And it's one of those bougie group workout classes in the vein of Soul Cycle or Rumble Boxing. But their whole pitch is that you work out on a turf and it was created by a former pro athlete and you do pro athlete workouts. And I went with a friend in my acting class and he was like, hey, do you want to do this thing with me? I think it'll be fun to do before we go to class. I'm just letting you know that it's pretty intense. I threw up in my first class. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, ah, I don't want to. But then another friend joined us and I got peer pressured into doing it. So at this point I was like, all right, fuck it. I need to get in shape. I haven't worked out this intensely in a while. How hard can it be? I can do it. And the night before, I just Googled Tone House reviews on Google, and there were so many write-ups about the gym from different media websites like yeah. Bustle or Refinery29 or whatever, and they were like, the hardest workout in New York City. We put it to the test. Did it live up to its hype? And the first sentence was like, it lived up to its hype and more. <laughs> I died. And I was like, oh my fucking goodness. And so I showed up to, I did the workout, and it's a one-hour workout, and uh, I didn't finish it. Wow. Yeah, I had to, I I had to quit like ten minutes like with ten minutes to spare because wow. I was just too ill and, <laughs> and I was so 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 embarrassed because it's the first well the first like you do a pre workout and then the pre workout they made us do twenty five burpees oh, like God. okay and I was already dying in the pre workout <laughs> and That's I thought like that the main workout for me exactly so I thought that was already the workout yeah. but they're like all right guys like Huddle in, great job team. That was a pre-workout. And I was like, oh my God, what did I sign myself up for? Is that when you threw up? Or? No, I threw up at the end. Because <laughs> I, I ain't I no bitch, like young was, me. I threw up at the end with 10 minutes to was, spare, not yeah. in the beginning. If it was me, I'd be like throwing up in the, in the, just the warm up. But I was so embarrassed because oh I already knew I was out in trouble because uh, 
I was the only one not wearing like Nike compression tights. Like I was wearing like white socks and like basketball shorts with a Hanes t-shirt uh-huh. while everyone was wearing this like form-fitting like maximum yeah. moisture wicking. Moisture wicking like <laughs> compresses the lactic acid out of your body while you work out. And Wait, was everyone ripped in the class? Everyone was super ripped, but I was embarrassed because it's a team workout. Mm. So in order for the rest of the athletes, they like to call them, move on to the next exercise, the last person in the class has to complete it. So a lot of them no. are like waiting for me to just like, f- like finish my bear crawls or whatever. Oh, and no. the instructors like <laughs> saw how much I was dying. So they just gave up on me. They were like, yo, you want to like go to the side and like, catch a breather? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was just watching the class just fly as soon as I quit wow. that class. I feel like this is not a good workout for you because it's like shame I think, motivated. Well, well, I don't know. I kind of like it though. I like how sore that I am. That makes sense, yeah. And maybe I'm a little bit of a masochist because like I want to go back next feeling week. Feeling ashamed well, when I'm, you work out. <laughs> and I'm ashamed because my lungs were shot because Ooh. I just drool too much. Yeah. And it's a wake-up call for me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to quit Jewel. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go back next week. And my goal is to just finish it. Yeah, I feel like uh, I've had this weird cough for like a month now. Uh-huh. I should maybe quit Jeweling. Are you going to quit though? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? It's my best friend, Ryan. So that's how I'm feeling. I'm just very sore. But how are you feeling, young me? Um, I am feeling... I, I think it just hit me how intense this podcast is. Uh-huh. And I just realized that like... People are actually listening to me talking about my feelings, terrible feelings, and like my I even like really was private. Say something else. What were you <laughs> going to say? Of the butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Everyone knows about the butt sex now. Just kidding. I haven't talked about that yet. Um, you you know, like just like everyone knows about not everyone because not I mean the people who are listening. Right, right. No. Everyone's listening. Everyone's listening. Everyone's listening. <laughs> um. They know about this and it's fine, but it just hit me like the extent of how many people listen to this and stuff. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So I, I'm feeling a little bit like, wow, okay. I'm, I feel like maybe a little bit reserved, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm still going to talk about, you know, butt sex and, uh, yeah. you know, my childhood issues. Because I feel like the whole, the good thing is that the feedback I'm getting is a lot of people i i do get a lot of dms from people being like oh like yesterday somebody dm me about the because we did an episode about drugs using drugs Uh and she was like i just realized like my entire 20s was like basically your 20s just being like really depressed having depression and like just really using a lot of drugs listening to the episode and i was like that's like that's what i want to be for people you know like i yeah. want somebody to listen to like the most fucked up shit that i went through so yeah. then they feel comfortable talking about it yeah and that's i'm fine with that that's great that's a really nice D- that's that a is- really nice dm nice yeah, feedback yeah. you're getting the feedback i get are from like asian girls who are like hey it was really cool listening to you t- open up about your erectile dysfunction <laughs> like i don't know how to broach this topic to my boyfriend <laughs> Oh my god i actually saw yeah i saw some of the like a, a few dms to the podcast right right instagram talking about from women because um brian talked to us Edie, and from women being like i'm really glad that you guys talked about this because i i made my boyfriend listen to it oh. but it's always the women 
making their boyfriends listen to it, which is interesting. Right. And their boyfriends are just hate listening to me. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Nancy, how are you feeling? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm glad you guys are here. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this uh, conversation, but, oh. but not really. Not really. I'm, you know. Right. Um, but I was actually thinking what, what you were just saying, like I was just talking to my therapist yesterday about like sharing uh-huh. yourself with other people and wanting to be known and seen while also remaining totally opaque. And mm. <laughs> like the, the sort of like uh, the conflict, the dichotomy of like wanting to be seen, but also wanting to preserve privacy. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And like not wanting to, well, cause it's weird. Cause the vulnerability yeah. is where you get the connection. Right. And then you get this really nice, like juicy connection with someone. Right. But then to put that out is like, it's scary. scary. It's very scary. Super so, scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like even in, in your days as a musician, did you always, uh, kind of make a distinction for yourself with your private life and like your public persona? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You strike me as someone that's like very private. Is that fair to say? Um, yes, but I'm also like very open. Mm. So like, you know, like this conversation that we're about to have today, like talking about depression, like mental health and like, you know, and like my experience, like taking psychedelics to treat the mental health issues, whatever, all that stuff. Like I feel like I'm pretty, if somebody asked me about it, I will talk about it openly. Right. You know, and like, you know, with my friends or even like strangers or people I don't, you know, like if anybody asked me, like, I will talk about it openly, but I wouldn't necessarily like voluntarily present myself and like my inner life and my, you know, personal activities, whatever. Yeah. Um, Just like voluntarily, openly, just like cast it out into like en masse. But yeah, if somebody were to ask me questions about my personal life. Mm. I would just be, I'd be pretty open about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to be yeah. that way too for yeah. a very long time where I would, there'd be certain aspects of myself that I would feel ashamed about or I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't volunteer any of that information right. about my private life. But if people asked me about it, they, I would talk about it. Yeah. Uh, very reluctantly. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then it became a, disjunction with my identity where well how are people ever supposed to know these sides of me i know if i'm never even volunteering that information exactly so for a long time i've always just felt well no one really understands who i am right Right. really yeah but i'm not even sharing that information so yeah i'm just left to suffer yeah Yeah, it's a weird like a push and pull because you want the connection and you crave that like deep connection yeah but then it's like i don't want to do it like yeah. i want to give this to you <laughs> yeah or like you want to be seen yeah and known mm-hmm. but in order to do that you have to expose yourself and yeah. then you're exposed and it's raw and it's you know yeah and you know i think it, it takes like a, a a like a very large degree of trust to you know like open yourself up and not worry about like if somebody's gonna like try and attack you or use it against you or whatever you know yeah so and like being i feel like being a creative and then in like the public eye as much as you are i feel like it's like another level of exposure Mm -hmm. because it's like oh and then you're showing something that's like not even just like your emotions but it's like your craft 
tied in with your emotions together yeah which is like a totally different experience too you know what i mean like when yeah. you're showing the world your art yeah it's like yeah and then also this is me right <laughs> right it feels so intense yeah i've always found that challenging about comedy and mm. uh somewhat was je not jealous but thought that was nice that musicians could have this uh, separation between public persona and private life. Oh yeah. Because let's say, you know, yeah. as an artist, it's very hard to put your work out into the public because it's it's open to scrutiny. Yeah. And when it gets scrutinized, you can separate that and just treat that as that's work. Like that's right. that this is just my public yeah. persona. This is my public work. Whereas with comedy, a lot of our like our front public facing work is an extension personal. of just our yeah. personality. I mean, like the material is based too. on yourself and like yeah. your personal experiences and your thoughts and your feelings and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So it is, it's like, it's so tied into who you are as a person. Right. Like, yeah. It's almost like you're, you're selling yourself as a person. I've thought that about comedy too. There have yeah. been times where I'm headed to a show and I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to fucking talk about my abusive mom. Right. I wish I could just sing a song or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I've thought that about comedy too. It is, it's a very intense thing. It's a very right. personal thing. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, in your early days as a musician, was that a conscious choice on your part to have this distinction of like, or just, I guess, limiting how much of yourself that you wanted to present on stage? Um, well, it wasn't really... It, it just sort of became a natural uh, distinction, especially because, you know, there was, there was a time when you couldn't just make contact, like direct contact with, like, a musician or a mm -hmm. band or whatever. And, like, you know, like, whatever. The internet, social media, all that stuff is, is really different now. But in the, when I first started playing in the band like they're just that stuff just didn't really exist like mm. you know you maybe had a myspace page and right. then yeah. then if you did it was your bands and like you know whatever so and i wasn't really and you know i just wasn't really connected right that way back then and then and then you know i think just the the sort of general concept of like how people view musicians and bands is like there is this sort of i mean you're literally like when you're performing, you're literally like on this like pedestal right. above people, like away from people. And, yeah. and you present this thing, this like, you know, this performance act yeah. and, and it's music and, you know, you're, so you're, there is just this like natural, uh, barrier between you and the audience. And like, even though, you know, like you try and everybody's trying to like connect, but it's this connection that's like, it's not an even, yeah. it's not on an even level. Right. Right. And you know, and I, so, and I never did press. That was always James mm. doing press. Mm -hmm. And right. yeah, so there wasn't really an opportunity for people to like delve into my inner life. Right. Right. Uh, and I didn't really volunteer it. Mm. It's so different now. And yeah. now it's like people Instagram, are like like DMing you. Instagram, like it's an integral part <laughs> yeah. of growing as an artist is engaging with yeah. fans and yeah. having them see every facet of your life. Right. And do you think you would have found that challenging if you if Instagram existed when you were first coming up? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. I, I, actually, yes, I would because mm -hmm. I, I find it challenging right now. Right. Okay. You know, like I'm on Instagram. Uh, and I post stuff, but I just get kind of lazy about it. Mm. 
so then I end up just posting like flyers of gigs and then I'm then I look back and I'm like that's that's sort of that's not really like there you know there's this part of me that's like I want to present like a more holistic picture of me as like a person right. who like exists in the world and not just like come see me DJ at this right. place you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but then like I like I I just like overthink so much like what you know like I'm going to take a picture and then I'm going to post it and what's the picture and what am I going to say about it yeah. like how can it be clever and funny and and also like you know whatever like sympathetic or like you know I don't know whatever yeah, yeah. draw people in in a way that's personable right you know and then then like yeah then people like comment on posts or like send me dms or whatever and like i really i don't engage with people mm. i don't know right well like, i mean basically that's good. fans yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're adoring fans <laughs> but i you know it's no, but yeah it's weird it's like, i weird, don't know you yeah and, yeah and i but i i think about it all the time like i i feel like maybe i should you know just like when you know somebody posts on I, sh I can comment back or even like their post or if somebody sends me a dm i can like you know write them back yeah yeah but I, i'm like i feel this uh hesitation that like once i do it's just gonna open this yeah floodgate of mm -hmm. i guess people like trying to get something like get a piece of you get yeah. a piece of me mm. i feel you like know? that's smart because like i feel like the day you start responding you're gonna get someone that says something like critical which i yeah people think that they have the right to throw in their like criticism of your art i'm like shut the fuck up well, i don't want to hear your stupid I, why don't you try doing stand-up and then you can tell me yeah <laughs> i uh i made this um i made this t-shirt a couple years ago uh-huh for uh when lcd played on sound night live mm -hmm. i made this t-shirt with a picture of Donald Trump and Chris Brown. Mm -hmm. And there's like a whole backstory to it. Basically, I'll try and make this short. LCD had been asked to play on SNL a bunch of times. And every time, you know, we'd, we'd say yes, but then like at the last minute we'd get bumped. So like mm -hmm. one time we got bumped for Tom Petty. It was like the season finale and we got bumped for Tom Petty. Mm -hmm. right. I'm like, okay, fair enough. And then another time happened, we got bumped again. I can't remember who it was, but the last time, we were asked and it was like it was in 2011 so it was like a couple months before like the madison square garden show so it was like it was supposed to be our last show ever mm -hmm. and we got bumped for chris brown mm. wow. and then they offered us another date after the garden show and yeah. we we're like no we're, we're done. done after that yeah yeah so but so yeah we got bumped for chris brown and i was so fucking angry that of all people chris brown chris brown yeah and then, you know, like, and then a couple years later, you know, they had Donald Trump on as like a guest host. And I thought that was just really tacky and mm -hmm. kind of normalized him. Yeah. So anyway, so we finally, when we came back, we got asked to play SNL. We finally got on and I, so I wore this, I made this t-shirt and I wore it as sort of like my personal yeah. protest against yeah, yeah. Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. And I made a bunch of them and sold them and donated all the profits to, um, to uh like a rape hotline mm -hmm. and a domestic mm -hmm. violence hotline mm -hmm. and so anyway so this whole you know this whole thing was going on and i posted it on my instagram yeah and the fucking vitriol oh that i got from God. chris brown fans oh my was god insane of course it was out of control the fucking hatred the just the cruelty the like but it was also you know i was just like 
I, I was like, I don't know these people. They're obviously just mad. They love Chris Brown and they're yeah. mad because I'd said something about like against their guy. And, right. you know, and, yeah. and most of the comments were just like, they're just like, you're just dumb. Like you can barely yeah. type in English. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I can't really be mad because it's just, they're like, just dumb, 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 but it's still, it was so like, it was so hateful that it yeah. was still hard not to absorb some of it, you know? Yeah. Right. It's just like straight up hatred, like aimed towards you. Yeah. But what is, what is up with music fans that they do that? Like I music specifically, like people yeah. who are like music stands. Like right. Yeah. They go fucking nuts online. Yeah. Yeah. Like it happens all like every week there's some sort of like something happens and then they like attack somebody yeah i know i mean it's so intense i think music inherently is a very um it evokes like a strong mm. emotionality yeah yeah, to yeah. Right. Listeners, it's and it's somewhat more accessible than let's who say the fine hell art? is standing up for chris brown women i mean a lot brown. Yeah. a lot of people you have like God. xx tentacion yeah i remember that like, he died, but he was just a horrible person who right. like abused his partner, and, and then, yeah. all of the, he has like fans that attack people who speak badly about yeah, him. Yeah, like that comedian made a joke. Yeah. It was like, did you hear about this? This is like a comedy thing, so I don't know if it, like I don't think someone world. made a joke. Like it wasn't even him. making fun of XXX Tentacion, uh-huh. but it was like it was just had his name in the joke, right? And, and she had a deactivator Instagram. Yeah, all she was the, just all his fans attacked. like attacked her. Oh my god. And it wasn't even about him. It was crazy. Right. It was just that he was dead and they were like, whatever. But it's hard not to let that affect you because logically you can understand that. Yeah. Well, if you're a fan who supports this domestic abuser, clearly your your sense of reality or like your conduct for good behavior is somewhat skewed on a day to day. Right. So you're you're an illogical person that I wouldn't even want to be friends with in the first place. But it sucks that somebody out there hates you. Like that's fucking crazy feeling. Yeah. Right. Some loser out there hates you. Like that's a really intense feeling. Yeah. And I mean, I also think that like, you know, those, those kinds of the way that they, like comments on like, you know, on social media, whatever. It's such a like a distilled, uh, just distilled emotion. Yeah. Like if you were to confront that person in real life and talk about it, they'd be like, like, yo, man, don't talk shit about, you know, like, yeah, yeah, XX, yeah. whatever, Chris, whatever, you know, but it wouldn't be like, I'm going to fucking murder you in your sleep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm going to stab your eyes out with a fucking rusty. Si- like, yeah. It's like, okay, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. But, but the other thing that thing I online. found really weird about all these comments that I got about Chris Brown is that like, you know, like at the time, like I didn't have that many followers, but these Chris Brown fans are so fanatic that they just search Instagram for any mention of the person that they admire wow. and then just like get involved, you know? <laughs> I'm just like, what? Wow. Like, I what? Like I don't matter to, to you. Yeah. I don't matter to you at all. So weird. It's like a game to them, you I gotta, think. You it's gotta like, get one of these Chris Brown fans hobby. to find where, uh, who's that girl? Ghislaine Maxwell? Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Where is she? Conspirator? Like, where, where is, is she? she? Yeah. Just send one of their get, Chris Brown stands. Chris yes, Brown stands on the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like she's like she says something like stupid about Chris Brown and like immediately find, find her. her. Yeah, <laughs> she's in Guam. Taylor Swift stands like mm, I don't know. Taylor Swift's album sucks, and then they like immediately find her. Right, right. That's gonna be amazing. That's yeah. That's but like just medium. hearing you talk about uh, the way you use social media, like it, it seems that you strike me as a person who is very in touch with 
your mental health and like the like and your emotions and your well-being yeah is that something that has have you always just been that way naturally or do you th- is that something that just has progressed through your career as a performer um it's progressed through my I, I guess it's I wouldn't call it a progression. <laughs> I guess my my the 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 level the degree to which I'm in touch with my emotions, my mental health has increased as my mental health deteriorated. Mm. So it was just sort of like out of necessity that I had to kind of pay attention to how I was feeling and you know what to do about it in order to, you know, continue to function. Right. You know. Do you think the like your success and fame had a had like something to do with the your mental health like no no okay no so <laughs> it started much earlier right <laughs> long Stay ago young age maybe even in the womb uh, <laughs> in the, oh in the womb <laughs> we can talk about um yeah ancestral yeah. trauma yeah ancestral trauma uh-huh. it's a thing yeah it i feel it yeah. yeah i feel it yeah um so should we start talking about your depression and maybe your history with depression sure yeah yeah Yeah. so what what is what's your history with depression i think i first started i think i when i was in high school it started it it pretty much started when i was in high school Uh uh-huh and uh there was a lot going on or like right before high school uh there was a lot going on my parents split up both my brothers who are uh like a lot older than i am older than I am moved out to go to college mm-hmm. and puberty so <laughs> like right. all of those things it was just like this perfect storm of just like terrible events um and so I think that sort of I mean there, like circumstantially there was just like a lot going on and so like I think that created a lot of yeah just feeling depressed yeah um but I didn't really and at one point I actually like I remembered this recently um there was one point in high school when I started losing my hair from mm. stress, mm-hmm. wow, which was really fucked up. But also I remember pointing it out to my dad mm. who was a doctor and he, and I, I like, it's weird. Like I clocked it at the time, but I didn't really register what it was until much later. Mm-hmm. But I remember the look on his face when he realized that I had, like, I was like, losing my hair from stress mm. and I could see the recognition on his face that it was his fault. Mm. <laughs> it, was like, wow. it was like, Oh, I'm doing this to her. And, uh, and like, and I, like, I remember that look and now I can, you know, imagine, you, like I can see it. Like that's what it was. But at the time, like I, I couldn't really register that he realized that like he wow. was responsible. How, how wow. was he stressing you out? Like because of the divorce and stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right, it was right. pretty, it was pretty, you know, it was, yeah, it was very traumatic. Uh, right, right. It was pretty intense. It was yeah, like right. all, but it was also very quiet. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, Ooh, that's the worst. When it's hush, quiet. hush from yeah, other of course. Asian I mean, family like members. Korean people, they don't talk about. Right. Yeah, you know, you're just like this is the way it is, and that's that. And uh, but but that's what strikes me as kind of unusual in a good way that your dad was able to own that. Oh, where he like right, owned yeah, that his, he recognized it. Uh, the, he's responsible for this emotional yeah. impact that he's imparted on you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would necessarily say that, call it ownership. Mm. Okay. It was just like this moment of just like, of like, oh shit. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, my daughter is suffering this ailment that is, you know, due to stress. Like, right. what could you be stressed about? Oh, 
yeah, the yeah. fact that I'm, and then he yeah. didn't <laughs> left then her he, mom <laughs> right and then he didn't talk to you about it after oh, you, of course not of course not right <laughs> no that, he gave me I, medicine yeah. to he put, gave you he gave medicine. me medicine to put on my bald spots oh <gasps> Not even wow. like stress relieving medicine, just no, hair like medicine. topical yeah. skin medicine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's literally so hard. putting a band aid on it. It's yeah. So literally hard putting for a our Asian parents to just sit in that shittiness and like be yeah. there for your emotional. Impossible for so my for mom. him to oh, give yeah. you a topical cream is like yeah, that, fixed that, it. That fixed it. That's yeah. the equivalent. Yeah. I'm in there with you. But I, yeah, I just remember that silence uh-huh. was so intense for me as a kid. Like, I feel like I have moments where I, like, I recognize that my mom recognized that something was fucked up. Right. Then I saw her react and then nothing. Yeah. And then (laughs) they just packed it, just packed it down, shoved it down. That's so terrifying. Uh, Yeah. And then left it on. Like in my early twenties, I had a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and I developed this nervous tick where I would pick out my own hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's called trichotillomania where I'd like find a hair that felt more irregular than the others and I'd pluck it out myself. Wow. And my mom would see me do this, and rather than it registering as like maybe it's stress induced or anxiety induced, she'd be like, "You look fucking stupid doing that. So yeah, stop yeah. it, because yeah. you look so dumb." Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, that re- yeah, that reminds me of like when I was a kid, I had like a lot of nervous tics, and I remember they were just fucking crazy looking. Like right. I would do this thing where I would like hit the back of my hand with my hair so basically right. i was just shaking my head all day right huh. like how crazy looking is that if your kid's doing that my parents were, were just like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah like they weren't like this is obviously <laughs> a mental issue right. like I, I should like ask a doctor yeah can you imagine if your kid was doing that in front of you like all day long and you just like should stop doing that like yeah <laughs> what were they thinking yeah well right. you know the other thing is too like i think you know particularly with korean parents and particularly Korean parents of you know generation that grew up during the war during mm-hmm. occupation and during the war yeah. right. is that they just they there's so much they experience so much external trauma mm. so that when you're having like internal conflict they're like you have no idea what real struggle is yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. get yeah. your shit together they can't yeah. they yeah. have a hard time like seeing it yeah, yeah. so this is my question because I have a, a very long history with depression uh-huh. and I recognize I know you said like I don't know if you were joking about the womb thing I I recognize myself as a child having been very depressed as a child yeah and, like I feel like I was always depressed because of how I was being treated by my parents yeah. that I wasn't registering right and um a lot of it I feel like um was caused because of this way that they weren't allowing me to express emotions at all yeah like since birth basically yeah. right for whatever reason I'm a girl or like my mom is like i had i had a traumatic life like why do you think you are allowed to cry or be angry how dare you sort of right and so since birth i was like like holding all of it in yeah and that um you know like in therapy i remember my therapist said something where she was like depression a lot of like studies now show that it's like anger and sadness and emotions that you're holding in mm-hmm. and then they sort of like bounce around in there and then they settle to the bottom mm. like a like you know if you're looking at like shike like the rice like <laughs> 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 keeping it korean <laughs> like this is rice punch like all the rice like settles to the bottom yeah and so that is like depression it's like all these negative emotions that never escaped and you hold it in and yeah. so i feel like i started recognizing the depression in myself like tween and the teen mm-hmm. but it was 
basically had been building up my entire life. Do you think that that was like the case for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I think now like looking back at like my whole, you know, existence, like childhood, there was my, my, my sort of like overall sense of like my memories, like what I remember from that era is that it was very quiet, except for when it wasn't, when it was like, you know, like volcanic. Yeah. Um, And that I was just sort of always a little bit sad. But I don't, you know, like when you're that young, though, you don't recognize it as sadness. You're just like, it was just sort of like this melancholy that, you know, was kind of like hovered around the house and around me all the time. And, and yeah, because, you know, like there was a lot of, um, all of the emotions that were expressed was, all of that was taken up by my parents Mm. and their anger. And yeah. expressing their anger on us, on the kids, mm-hmm. that uh, like for like just totally dumb, unimportant shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like I, I, re- I have this very distinct memory of when I was like four years old, and I like drew on the wall mm. of our garage, mm-hmm. which was like you know it's, it's the garage. The walls are like unfinished. It was just like sheetrock. Yeah, and, yeah. Like and you're plastic. four. You're gonna and draw. I'm four, and I drew with the sharpie on the wall and then my dad came home and saw it and he went into a flying rage and he yeah. literally chased me around the entire house and I ran into my bedroom ran into the closet and like hid in oh my, my closet God. under a pile of clothes mm-hmm. and he couldn't find me so eventually he just like you know <laughs> he just yelled in the house like I know where it's you terrifying. live yeah it was fucking <laughs> terrifying yeah That's I so was terrifying. four uh, well you know you made a, a great point about the our parents all of our parents were from the same generation they yeah. lived through a war yeah. it was traumatizing um, but it, you know it, it is that like what's the word for it like you said it earlier, like the generation inherited gener- trauma, inherited trauma, ancestral trauma, yeah. ancestral trauma yeah. that just like, um, I, I mean, I have the same experience where my mom's like emotions were so large. There was no room for my yeah, emotions. Exactly. It was just her being like, how fucking dare you? I'm sad. Yeah. I'm angry. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, and then where does all of my little like right. baby anger and sadness go? It just goes inside. Yeah. It just sinks um, to the bottom. Like she yeah, can't. Like <laughs> the rice and the, <laughs> she can't. Yeah. But, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, I guess what I want to ask is when you left for college, when you were away from home, yeah. did you notice that some of your depression was alleviated because you were away from that trauma that you experienced in the household? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, not at all. Not at all. For I me, mean, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, like I think what my emotional state as a kid growing up and like, you know, at, in my parents' house, you know, there was just, there was a lot of, stuff around me happening that was just like you know that would make anybody depressed right you know and then i left for school i came to new york was in college and and, and actually in college my depression got a lot worse and at that mm. point then i realized it was not just about like you know circumstances or you know whatever like experience i was going through at that particular moment that there was also like chemical imbalance like, right yeah. you know there was just like you know serotonin drops and like you know whatever yeah like a neuro like a neurological thing but again like i didn't really like in the beginning it my depression manifested as seasonal Mm. so to only get in the winter time and not even every winter like every other winter i get like really really depressed and then 
uh, and then it just started like picking up, like the cycles just got shorter and then I would get depressed every winter and then it was just like all through the summer and like all year, you know, like then I was just like depressed mm. all the time. And then how old were you at that point? I like it took a while like maybe in my early 30s actually mm. is when it got really really intense because uh, you know before like when I was in school like in my mid-20s early mid-20s like mm-hmm. I would have these really intense episodes of depression mm-hmm. um but then eventually it would pass and I'd kind of snap out of it right um and then so at this point had you taken any sort of like prescription medication for the mm, depression no no okay. like yeah around maybe I'm gonna say yeah, maybe in my 30s. And I'd gone to like, you know, therapists and I'd gone to, you know, social workers and counselors and all this stuff. And it, the idea of getting on meds was presented to me a bunch of times. But for some reason, I resisted. And mm. I don't really know why or what I was afraid of. But it just, I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think maybe I thought I would, like, either it would flatten me Mm. or i would become like dependent on it or something like that yeah Yeah. i have the same i'm the same way currently with um my perception of antidepressants or Mm. just any sort of mental health medications because i see a therapist and i remember in the first meeting i told her like i don't want to go on any medication and it's somewhat of a cognitive disjunction because i can explain to my mom how depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain right Mm -hmm. and she i mean she believes depression is just like a lack of willpower right (laughs) you're just lazy brian yeah right so i can explain this to my mom but it's so hard for me to accept that for myself because Mm. i don't i think my aversion to antidepressants is well if i if i get prescribed medication start taking it then it becomes more real Mm. like this is a real thing like i actually do have depression right yeah as opposed to maybe just trying to see a therapist and yeah have like this idea that it's there but it's not actually real because i haven't actually been prescribed it but i haven't given myself the opportunity to even be prescribed it because i don't see a psychiatrist i see a social like a psychologist yeah yeah do either of you feel like it would um be detrimental to your creativity not my creativity, just mm. like my personality. Right. Um, which, you know, then like by proxy kind of leads to that stuff. Right. But but what I realized though is that um, my depression mm-hmm. was making me flat. Mm. Like I got, I like it got so intense that I wasn't like sad. I just felt totally numb. Like right. I had no... Ah, uh, this is too real for me. You know, I was like <laughs> dead inside. I know this word, it's called anhedonia, uh-huh. where it's just a lack of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Like, I feel so overwhelmed at times, and I'll just use that as motivation to just work hard. Right. I, 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 I like just working on projects and just working hard because it gives me time to not have to sit with those right, la- right. that lack of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't feel spikes of happiness, nor right. do I feel like spikes of like dips of really uh, immense sadness. It's yeah. just gray. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's like in my struggles with, I guess this is a good segue into the other part of this discussion, which is your, your treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Brian last week a little bit about how, so I have struggled with depression all my life. But um, I, on my own, started started uh, microdosing uh-huh. mushrooms. Right. So, like, psychedelic mushrooms. Because I read this article about it, and I was like, I bet this is going to work. So I just did this by myself. <laughs> yeah. 
And so I was doing it by myself and then I like measured it out in like little pill, like I ground it up and measured <laughs> it out in pills, but I had no like professional helping Yeah, this is me. just some right. bootleg operation. <laughs> <laughs> I was just grinding them like in my kitchen. Uh-huh. And like, so by noon every day, I was just fucked up. <laughs> like, I was, like I took way too many and I was like, ah, ah. You're like, you're like a Korean mom with self-medication. Like how much rice do I put in? It's like, you just got to touch it. It's the feel yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just up to the finger it's the first knuckle of mushroom powder <laughs> and so then like i was just always fucked up like like i, I should have not have done that but um but i did do that on my own and then i'd like go pick up my son from school just like fucked up it was crazy but do you feel like the after a while it, it did you notice a change in your state of mind or definitely it oh, yeah. to- i well i was telling brian like i feel like it literally like cured my depression and so uh-huh and so like i remember when you were talking about this yeah um, I was like really interested in this whole treatment. What's like, right. Adelis, can you tell us like your whole journey with that? Well, so I, um, so I got on meds and I did that oh, and, and actually which like, meds? Uh, I was on citalopram mm. in the beginning oh, I was on that too. Once. And then I added Wellbutrin. I took that too. Did yeah. it work? Yes, it did. Mm. The citalopram, it was, it was pretty amazing actually. Like I, I, I it's like two weeks after I started taking it, like I, it was like I emerged from like a fog mm. Mm. and, and you know, and then I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is what, and it wasn't even like, I'm like, I'm so happy. I was just like, I just, I feel awake yeah, mm. and I can see clearly mm-hmm. and I can think clearly. Uh, and I was like, if this is like, I will do this every day for the rest of my life, if I can maintain this. Right. Uh, but the citalopram made me really lethargic and that was sort of like, well, that's part of my depression. So it's not really helping. It's not helping me entirely because I still feel like I can't, like I'm not motivated. I'm not doing anything. I'm mm. just like lying. Like I don't feel depressed, but I just can't get out of bed still. Right. Um, so we added the Wellbutrin to kind of like add, like for, you know, it's supposed to like stimulate energy or whatever and it made me fucking insane (laughs) i I went i was so angry it made me so angry i would just like my temper was like like my fuse was so short and i would just fly into a rage over the dumbest shit but then it sort of like evened out okay um so i was on those two things for a little while but um eventually though like the side effects from those two medications became like not really worth the trade-off yeah and like it really like my short-term memory was totally destroyed Uh um and so i was like there like i can't keep going like this i have to find another way so then i got off meds and like i just basically got like clean for Mm -hmm. a year and and uh i was like i just need to clear out like start over reset maybe like reset with a different drug or you know i don't know but i just need like to stop and get like get rid of everything and like get back to zero yeah and then you know then i was just like depressed and right meanwhile uh, a couple of things were happening one michael pollan put out this book about psychedelics and how they change your uh like your brain chemistry or yeah, like I, the, I see that book at bookstores yeah like yeah. or like you know it just affects like the way that your neurotransmitters like communicate with mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. um and you know and there's been all this research done like that started in like the 40s and the 50s and then got kind of shut down because of timothy leary but mm-hmm. now recently people are like interested in exploring it again so that book came out and then a friend of mine had gone to Peru to do an ayahuasca retreat right and he came back and was like said that it like changed his 
life and he mm. felt like a totally new person and you know he was somebody dealing with like addiction and like severe depression and yeah he said it was amazing and so and he you know then he found this place in new york upstate that does these ceremonies and so um you know he was like if you want to go you should go like it really you know whatever he was a little bit evangelical about it yeah um but then you know so i was like thinking about this thinking about just like you know after reading the book thinking about like you know different methods of you know different types of psychedelics that i could take so i was like well i'll start Uh with mushrooms yeah because that that seemed the most had you taken psychedelics before all of this recreationally okay Mm -hmm. yeah just for kicks um (laughs) (laughs) uh, but uh so i was like i'm gonna start with mushrooms because i you know it seemed like the most gentle i guess yeah and you know there's like uh like people kind of compare mushrooms and ayahuasca like mushrooms open the door and ayahuasca like kicks you through the door Ooh, god i want to get i was like like, you know at first i was like i think maybe i just need to have the door open and Mm. then i can like i you know i just see what's on the other side and i can like walk through to the other side whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's great you're young me you're like i want to get kicked through the door meanwhile i'm like like, yeah what's the one where you like open the door and then you can look up some yelp reviews about the room (laughs) just like kind of like i don't even want the door to open i just want to look at the yelp reviews from the other side (laughs) yeah so you so you started with mushrooms. So, so I started with yeah. mushrooms, and I I did this like it was like a ceremony where I went to this I went to this place where like a with a shaman and you know there's like this whole sort of like ritual where you you know that you take the mushrooms and then you just kind of like lie there and like let it take effect or whatever and um and it was really intense and really really unpleasant. Oh. Yeah, I've, I've Wait, heard how? that ayahuasca is very. This Wait, is just this mushrooms. Is mushrooms. Oh, Wait, so this, yeah. is, this is this is my question. So you you had done mushrooms at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Recreationally, yeah. why was it? Why was this different? Because it was like three grams. Oh, it was like a lot. It's a lot. Okay, okay. It was Whoa. a lot. Yeah, did and you, I think did also you like throw up because it makes you. No, know, I didn't like throw up. It. I didn't throw up with the mushrooms. I mean, the other thing is too that they that's really. Uh, significant to taking psychedelics for these like in these like ritual practices and or for this sort of you know intent of like you know mental health or whatever is like you uh-huh. know and they talk about it a lot in this michael pollan book is like the set and the setting like is really important and really mm-hmm. affects how you experience the psychedelics right what was the setting like it was like it was this uh it was it was this apartment on the Upper East Side, okay. uh, but it, it was more so like that. It was the setting of it being like a ritual and mm, being led by this shaman and blah blah blah. Um, but uh, it was yeah, but it was really it was really unpleasant. Like I just you know I got really dizzy mm. and then um, and then I just kind of was like overcome with this overwhelming feeling of sadness Mm. and then just like for the next like six hours i was just like really sad and like sobbing oh god (laughs) oh god wow awful that sounds terrible yeah what was the shaman doing uh like like rattling and singing Mm. and you know just stuff like that yeah i want to and so so then afterward did you feel better or like released uh, like a release of any kind or no no oh no how did you feel i felt like i had 
um, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. I just, I mm. felt like I had opened the door to something, mm. but not insight. Mm. I didn't feel like I learned anything or got mm. any, like nothing was like illuminated to me about, and you know, especially about like, forget about myself, like, especially, you know, the whole idea is like one of the main objectives of psychedelics used in these sort of circumstances is to experience the like singularity with mm. the universe. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that didn't happen at all. Like mm. I never really got beyond just like this, like very intense, deep self-reflection. Um, and it was really, yeah, it was just really unpleasant and sad. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And then what was the, ne- what was the step after that? So then after that, I was like, okay, <clears throat> Maybe I do need to get kicked through the door. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do ayahuasca. That's wow. I th- see, hearing your experience with that, I would be like, all right, nope, that wasn't for me. Yeah, I'm done. Well, because it did really feel like I was uh, like holding back. Okay, like I had, you know, gone to a certain point, but that there was more behind it, or you know, that I just. It just didn't feel like enough. Right. You knew something was there, but you maybe you just needed a, an extra push. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I need to get kicked through the door. So then I was, okay. So then I was talking to my friend who does the ayahuasca. And I was like, I'm going to go do, you know, one of these ceremonies with him. But In bef- upstate. Yeah. Okay. But before that, I'm going to try this other thing. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sort of being uh, guided through these practices by, uh, by my doctor, Mm-hmm. that I go see for my sinuses. And he just happened to be uh, acquainted with all these things. So he's he, he was the one who introduced mm-hmm. me to the mushroom guy. And then, so then after that, he was like, maybe you should try this other thing called bufo, which is like this toad venom. Oh. Toad uh, venom. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's, I think it's really funny. Here we go, Brian. Here we go. Yeah. Some Bufo. Yeah. Yeah. And some Claritin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I like how Nancy was like, sounds legit. Okay. I'm going to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So he was like, you know, he was like, you know, maybe because I talked to him about the mushroom experience and he was like, okay, like, you know, like maybe you need this other, you should try this other direction. Right. Right. Um, And, so I went to this place, to another place, another guy's apartment, also on the Upper East Side. <laughs> Man, they're freaky up there in the Upper East Side. <laughs> Who knew the UES? They get crazy up there. It's wild up there. Um, and so I went and, and did this, like before, like before doing the ayahuasca, I went to do the bufo because you know I was told that like it would help the ayahuasca experience. A lot of times, mm. people who do it for the first time ayahuasca, nothing happens. And it takes a couple of times for it to like absorb and have a effect. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to waste any fucking time. Like oh. I just want to get right into it. So let's go do this bufo. Oh, so I went Jesus. to this guy's house, and bufo is like it's like it's uh, secreted from this toad in like the Arizona de- desert or like in like Arizona, Sonora, Mexico. Uh huh. Um, and they basically like they secrete it from the toad, which is supposed to be harmless to the toad, and like onto this glass plate and then they dry it until what? it's crystallized Whoa. and then you freebase it what <laughs> oh my god you freebase it yeah you put it it's, it's like in this glass that. pipe and they you know light it up and then you smoke it that's oh, fucking badass that is so cool freebasing some bufo yeah it was well inside. it was well and that so the thing about bufo is that it lasts 20 minutes whoa oh, okay what 
Yeah. And you just did it but once. you're like tripping balls, so you don't know. You have no oh, conception yeah. of time. Exactly. Time does not exist. Right. If this is bef- like you go, you go, you're thrust into a place before time. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> this is so amazing. Yeah. So, and it's like, it's instantaneous mm-hmm. and it lasts for 20 minutes. Okay. And that was like, the experience itself was pretty incredible. Like I really did, like I was like rocketed into this other dimension and I did have this uh experience of like of like this singularity of like like this oneness where you Mm. felt like part of the fabric of the universe yeah wow um but it's it's kind of weird though because you're still there like the idea of like the the I like yourself your ego Mm -hmm. is like Mm. like has just deteriorated just like (gasps) dissipated but you're still you know, you're still, there is part of you still there observing mm-hmm. what's happening and you're remembering what's happening. So there is still some you left in there, but you definitely don't feel like a you. You just feel like this. Right. Yeah, you're just you know? observing. Did you like hallucinate? Like, did you see visual hallucinations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But wow. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, so, idea. you know, the other thing, like talking about all this stuff, like before I started doing all these things, like I can I definitely identify it as like an atheist mm. and a materialist yeah. and yeah. so like whatever you know mm-hmm. like I believe in the real like the tangible world right and you know and like yeah. science and physics and yeah, chemistry you know all this stuff and then I you know so after all of these experiences like you know I definitely had these very uh intense experiences of like you know these like other worlds or other realms or other dimensions or levels of consciousness or whatever and after so afterwards i came out of these like talking about these things in this way where i like i hear myself talk about them and like i sound insane you know yeah i remember you were saying that the last time i talked to you you were saying how you felt scared at night oh yeah and i was like I feel that way after doing the mushrooms too, yeah. because I, I with the mushrooms I f- did feel some of the like oneness with the universe. Yeah, I did feel a little bit of that. But yeah, I I was the exact same way. I was like, I believe in science. Yeah. that's it. Yeah, and now I'm like, but maybe ghosts right. exist. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I, it like really shakes you up in this yeah. way where you're like, it's I don't know. For me personally, I felt like oh, I'm like kind of like an arrogant person thinking Mm. that i understand everything right like what the hell do i understand nothing yeah but even you know even the like talking about this concept of feeling one with the universe yeah on the one hand i i'm like i sound insane (laughs) (laughs) but but on the other hand i had a very real experience that you know led me to this place where i'm like oh yeah no i did feel this oneness yeah Yeah. the fabric fabric the fabric of of the universe universe. no totally i mean we're just trying it's not important like the objectivity of what you're saying right the oneness it's you know what's important and critical here is like what what was your emotional experience your experience you could be seeing dolls being lit on fire but if it gave you a strong emotional response that's the most important thing Okay, so the mushrooms and then the bo- bofa? The bufo. Bufo. Yeah, the bofa. And so the, the bufo, once you came out of that, <laughs> and like you, it, it seems like you experienced some form of ego death and yes. like it really enlightened you. Yes. Did it alleviate your depressive symptoms? Again, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I felt worse. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Which, wow. And, you know, the guy who led the bufo ceremony told me, you know, that 
that was that might happen that mm. like you know just like your brain chemistry just gets so shaken up that like you know you could have like a dip for like a week or two afterwards but then you know it sort of clears out and like settles yeah. down you you know get you know feel better afterwards yeah yeah so you know the experience itself was was yeah was incredible but then after i left i felt really bad and that kind <gasps> of went on for a wow. couple of weeks oh god and and then you know and then i kind of like i felt i started feeling a little bit better but then then uh then i went to so it was like i was maybe three weeks before i went to I did the bufo three weeks before I went to the ayahuasca ceremony. So right, and you it, just did the bufo once, just once. Okay, yeah. So then it was time to go to the ayahuasca, <laughs> <laughs> and it was time to go upstate. Um, and I was, I had uh, intended on going there for three nights, uh-huh. and the first night I was there was the most terrifying, horrifying, harrowing experience I've ever had in my life. Oh my god! And I thought that I broke myself Jesus. and i was like i can't be here anymore i need to leave because you did the ayahuasca the first night yeah and that that was your experience doing it yeah what was going on like what do you like what were you tell us about it okay. please oh my god the main the most terrifying aspect of it was so uh on the bufo i had this vision of like this like pure pure energy mm-hmm. like you know like the universe everything like the world and everything around me just kind of like disappeared i went i kind of went to yeah the source of the universe which Mm -hmm. was like this pure energy and it was just like this like this vast white light brightness whatever yeah and you know during the bufo it felt amazing and i was like yeah this is like this is it this is the place this is the answer this is like this is the beginning of all things and this is you know like energy and you know the source and it felt like epic and and important so then in the ayahuasca i went to that place again Mm. but then it went even further and all of that white light Mm. kind of um condensed into itself like into like a black hole Uh down to this like really dense black like marble of black matter of black matter like a black hole of like dark matter or whatever yeah, dark matter and then that thing vanished and then there was nothing <sighs> it was like the concept of existence didn't exist and that was the most like the coldest most heartbreaking thing that i've ever experienced in my life it was just like nothing pure <sighs> nothing it felt so cold so empty so just like there was nothing there was just nothing and that happened goosebumps. three times in one night like right after in succession this sort this whole like transition of like the bright light condensing into this black and matter and then is. nothing like over and over and over again and the whole thing with ayahuasca is like you're supposed to have like a conversation with it mm. you know it's like you communicate with the plant and uh you know it guides you and but you can also like set boundaries for yourself if it's too intense so yeah. finally i was just like listen lady (laughs) (laughs) i can't do this like i don't know what you're trying to show me but i'm not getting it so you got to stop um so that was like the that was the main like crux of my experience and it was like i you know i came out of it just like feeling like what is the point of any of this can can Uh, i just ask like what is the what what's the time frame that you do the ayahuasca and then how long are you high so like how 10 hours so during the 10 hours this 
sort of thing happened to you three times and mm-hmm. then you had to be like stop yeah and then you were just high no i actually oh. i had to i had to be taken out of the room wow oh, but then but then what happens because you're still high right yeah but they kind of they you know they have there's like other there's these you know there's the shaman who leads the ceremony and mm. then there's other people around to kind of help you like if you need to like puke they keep your hair from you getting in your vomit yeah. if you need to like get up and pee they like you know walk you to the bathroom or whatever uh-huh. and so like you know in this place like there was like the main ceremony room but then there was another like side room like if you're like if you need to get away or if you were making too much noise and like distracting the other people so mm. like that was me I had to get taken to the other room because I was distracting other people yeah. and then they just did all this stuff to like sort of settle me down right and like so then being out of the room and just lying down and I kind of was able to just uh sort of dissipate the the whatever the right i'm in altered state i'm imagining this place to look like a gym jirbang because like, <laughs> yeah like, it's like, like a a, you're in the main gym jirbang area yeah, yeah, yeah. and they take you to the like igloo room totally it was like it was it was like that because there was like there was like you know like a dozen a dozen like foam yeah. uh like mattresses on right. the floor like all yeah. lined up and just like all these people like lying down yeah Oh my gosh. So, so that after was the you, first night. Yeah. And, and then, then so what happened then? So then, you know, the next morning you, uh, you know, everybody gets together and like talks about their experience. And like, you know, like one of the most important things about like doing these psychedelics is like not just the experience, but like the integration afterwards and like talking about your experience with oh. other people and like trying to like kind of make sense of what you went through. Like that's par- like kind of critical to oh. the whole process so you're talking to all the people that were in the room with you yeah and everybody goes around and talks about their individual experience and like Mm -hmm. so i you know told everybody about mine and i'm like i like i can't be here anymore like Mm. this that was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me yeah uh the worst thing that i've ever seen or experienced or you know could even conceive of yeah um and i was like i want to go home Mm -hmm. and you know they were like well you know we can't force you to stay here right but just consider staying because like every experience is different Mm -hmm. every person there's never you know like there's never like a repeat experience like every person is different every person has a different experience every time they do this thing so like Mm. maybe just stick around do it one more time because like maybe you don't want to go home with this feeling you stay mm. another night you can maybe like reset and like change your reconcile and yeah yeah, yeah. your narrative again yeah so i did i did that and the second Ooh. night was wow much better okay but it was still really difficult yeah. and i still right. went through that whole process again of like you did yeah of like oh that like my God. you know i feel and like i'm gonna I'd throw be like, up. i want my money back yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to go to what's what's that workout? This sounds like Tone House. Tone. Tone. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that. <laughs> I don't. Want, I'm gonna. I throw up. I want to leave early. Yeah. No, it was. It sucked. It was terrible. Jesus. Um. But it was better than the first night. But it was still terrible. E- yeah. Yeah. It was better than the first night. But I, I you know, I sort of, uh, kind of like you know, worked out like a negotiated terms with mm. the ayahuasca yeah <laughs> i was like if you go easy on me i promise i will try my best to understand whatever this message is that you're trying to get me to understand right, right. um so you know we went through this whole thing and like meanwhile so i you know i had this like i went through that thing with like the the light condensing into the black matter and I, meanwhile there's this guy sitting next to me who was 
retching so intensely, like throwing up. It sounded like an animal was being shredded to bits. It was like, it was so guttural and so loud and so like vast too. It was like, it sounded like it was echoing inside his body. And I kept thinking like this guy is, you know, the whole idea of like throwing up during the ceremony is that you're like purging these like toxins or these poisons or, you know, whatever, like trauma or blah, blah, blah. So I kept thinking like, this guy is like puking for me. Like Mm. until I figure out the answer, he's going to keep throwing up. Like just basically I imagined him like regurgitating like this black oil, like all the evils of the world. Like he was like regurgitating Wow. and he was going to keep doing it until I figured it out until I got the answer. And I was just like, I felt really responsible. Interesting. But then, and then at some point though, I was like, no, he's having his own experience like his his puking has nothing to do with me like mm. he's whatever he's doing that for whatever he's doing it's nothing to do with me um and that was very like a, a kind of released me from this spot of like you know mm. trying to find the answer behind this like this place of no existence yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally I was like, I'm not getting it. Like, I don't know. I, like, I just, oh my God. let's just like, it's not happening. And so, you know, I ended up having like a kind of like, it was interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say it was good or fun or anything, but it was, it was definitely easier and like just sort of interesting. It's like, all right, I, yeah, Ayahuasca, I just agree say, to disagree. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want to say that, um, experience that you had where you thought you were at fault for someone else's whatever he was going through yeah like that, i was responsible for him sounds to me like something i go through because i feel like we had similar childhoods yeah where my where we were like you know it kind of like brings me back to the story you had like your parents are going through something but then your dad's screaming at you for drawing on the wall yeah like you know what i mean i feel like that's like a very um common thing where i'm, I'm i always feel like i'm the one that like is ruining things for other people right or i'm the the bad person yeah and i feel like that's just like from how we were raised right yeah that's interesting that that came up yeah you know what i mean yeah like and yeah yeah yeah, totally and but the fact that i was able to be like oh no that's not he does it does doesn't have anything to do with me yeah Yeah. was like like, oh wow that was like (laughs) yeah i was like that was that in itself was a huge epiphany for me i was like oh no this that's you know very interesting thing to like come to the conclusion of yeah okay so that was the second day and then the third day. Uh, no, I went home. You went home. Oh yeah. <gasps> you went home. I went home. I was like, listen, <gasps> I like, I got through the second night. Right. I feel better. I don't like. I can't risk it. Like, I just need to get the yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what do you, what do you wh- think about that now? Are you like, how do you feel that you didn't do the third day? I'm you're, totally fine with you're it. Totally fine. Okay. Yeah. So then, so then afterwards, like, I got home from this weekend and, like, you know, just spent weeks processing the whole experience. And and I did actually feel better mm. when oh. I got home. I did. I felt like I could actually get out of bed. I didn't w- open my eyes, like, already in the middle of an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and so, like, you know, this is amazing. Meanwhile, though, I was terrified of the dark. I couldn't mm. be alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not really a good trade-off. Like, you know? I sign up for that. What? Yeah. And I really, I, I think I, I really, I had basically like PTSD from the experience. Oh, you know, God. like it was so, and like even now, like there's all these, there's like various things that are very triggering. Like I, like, I can't go to yoga classes anymore. Mm. Oh. Because uh-huh, like the smell of 
like the like the sound of like that yoga music that sort of like, like new agey yeah people, the yeah. smell of palo like, santo yeah just like mm. the sound of like people like like the om sound like that sort of mm. chant like it's even just like the dim lighting of being in a room with a bunch of people with dim light and you're yeah. trying to like everyone's like breathing and right. like try centering i'm just like i I can't fucking do it. I, I got it. Oh, I thought wow. you were gonna be like, I can't, I can't go to yoga because I can't be around rich white people. It's triggering. That too. The priest side. No. Wow. The Gucci store. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So, I'm just so, kidding. Sorry. Honestly, I went into this podcast thinking like you were going to champion Bufo and ayahuasca. Oh yeah. Think that was great. Are you no. champion? Instead, you're not. Instead, now you're like, fuck this. I can't do. I yoga still want to do it. Well, yeah. here's the thing. So no, it was. It was like it was. It was the worst experience I've ever had. And yeah. for months afterwards, I was like, I'm like, I broke myself. Like I'm not, yeah. I might not be depressed anymore, but mm. like, I still like, I'm having a hard time functioning normally. And then it kind of wore off and then I got like depressed again. Mm. And it wasn't really intense, but it was just like, it was like, oh, like I still, I like, I just feel kind of down. And yeah. you know, mm. and I think the effect of like having this PTSD and like being afraid of the dark and not being able to be alone, like, it contributed to that. Like I mm. felt like I was, yeah, that I like, I broke my brain. I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to like recover from this. I don't yeah. know that I will. Maybe this is just how I am for the rest of my life now. And that's fucked up. But then, so then this other weird thing happened where, uh, this was just a couple of months ago. It was like, like, so I started, you know, I was feeling down. Oh, this other. So then I started getting these like, um, like brain zaps, which oh. you get like, if you're on, um, antidepressants if you're on like serotonin reuptake inhibitors mm -hmm. if you stop taking them suddenly or if like you forget a dose or whatever you get these like weird like brain zaps or kind of like these little mini um dizzy spells mm -hmm. so this started happening and i it was weird because like i hadn't been on meds in in ages mm -hmm. yeah and so then i started looking at like is this like an effect from the psychedelics like my brain chemistry is all like messed yeah, up yeah. or whatever so then i started looking up you know like you know reading the scouring the internet for mm -hmm. brain zaps and ayahuasca um and then you know i came upon across this thing where i was like oh maybe i have like a magnesium deficiency so mm. i started taking magnesium and that actually really helped oh wow um and that but i still was feeling like kind of down and then i got so then i got really sick mm -hmm. first I, I had this UTI that okay. lasted for like a week and I kept trying to get rid of it on my own just like just drinking tons of water and cranberry juice and it just wasn't going away so mm -hmm. finally I had to go to the doctor to get uh, antibiotics and the day that I went to the doctor I also like started feeling kind of sick and I thought maybe it was just like the you know like the physical strain of the UTI I was just getting kind of like worn out from being like unwell mm -hmm. but then uh, I just I ended up getting like it was like the flu and I for that weekend for like four days I had 104 fever oh. and like was I couldn't get out of bed I was like alternating between like this like just drenched in sweat and shivering violently and like my fingers and toes getting numb because I was so cold and uh -huh. having to like immerse myself in a hot tub yeah and this went on for like three days three four days oh my god um and I was like to the point where like uh my boyfriend Nick was like, he had to, he went to go buy a thermometer to take my temperature to make sure that I didn't need to go to the hospital. Jesus. <laughs> so that happened, there was like a couple months ago. And then I finally got over it. And afterwards, I feel like, 
cleansed. What? Whoa. Yeah. Like I haven't right. really been depressed at all. I feel like I went through like this radiation where it just like all this wow. stuff like kind of, you know, like burnt off. Yeah. Everything like got like bubbled to the top yeah. after all of these like experiences. And mm-hmm. it was just like, and I just, and it culminated into this like really intense illness. And then the fever just like burned it off. Yeah. And now I feel better. I feel good. Wow. wow. What if that was an extension of your treatment? With I know. Ayahuasca and it took all that time to just yeah. sort of like bubble up and like totally. Fly and away. I, wow. I recognize that oh that is, that is, a very good possibility yeah mm. i was so afraid when you said the magnesium yeah i was so afraid that you're gonna say it. and then i took magnesium and now i'm cured of depression yeah <laughs> i was like is that oh, god it damn it it's just the magnesium jesus <laughs> what yeah. the fuck is wrong with all of us why did you buffo i was so scared you're gonna say that i mean i will say i, I think magnesium deficiency my entire life yeah <laughs> i do think it, though i think the magnesium did help with uh my anxiety so. um but anyway, so yeah, so now, and it's, I have this weird state now where I feel very distant from my depression yeah. mm. and it's a, and it's kind of a weird feeling because like, I'm happy to not feel close to it in a way, but I also like, you know, I've gone through stages before where I'm not depressed and I'm always just yeah. waiting for it to come back. Mm, so I never yeah. really enjoy yeah. not being depressed. Right. I'm just, you know, like when's this going to end? What if it never comes back? <gasps> yeah, I know. That's- Maybe not. Right. Yeah. But there's no way yeah. to know it. Right. You just gotta yeah. be present and enjoy yeah. like, and acknowledge how you feel in the yeah. moment yeah. right now. My depression does come back, even though it's far less frequent than before I did the mushrooms, but it right. does come back and it comes back like pretty hot and heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's weird to think like, yeah, I just, I got the flu and now I feel good. <laughs> Burnt off. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. But, you know, but I do, story. you know, so yeah, like I think it's like on the one hand, it, it, it wouldn't be a difficult like sort of correlation to make like doing all of these you know psychedelic treatments whatever and then like and then you know it being very bad Mm -hmm. but then culminating into this sort of like apex moment where it just like i just kind of get like wiped clean of all this stuff Mm -hmm. because it was such a traumatic experience yeah and i it was and it fucked me up for so long that like i don't know like on the one i don't know that i could advocate for right. doing right. these things mm-hmm. but on the other hand when i when i talk to other people and they like tell me like oh yeah i'm really depressed or I like this anxiety issue and i'm i always i'm just like well have you considered ayahuasca yeah. <laughs> right. i'm not saying you should do it but you know just yeah. explore yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I had a terrible experience, but you know, <laughs> think about it. I'm going to do it. Brian, should we do it together for the podcast? <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do it, but by all means, you should do it. I feel like I'm going to do it. Ooh. I'll let you know. Well, you have Nancy as the <laughs> one to reluctantly as advocate it shaman. to. Yeah. The thing that I find so crazy about it, there, so many, there were so many people there at this particular place that I went to, and just like I've come across that like they do it regularly, like, yeah. weekly. I'm like, I just... Weekly? I can't understand... Mm going putting yourself through that i mean it's maybe they have less trauma in their past do you i don't think know i mean even if it's not, not everyone no? just reacts to it differently yeah. yeah your own journey to have with right. the drug itself yeah and you know they like people talk about like oh you know like they've had great experiences they've had like experience when they thought that they were dying and right. they were dead yeah. and that they've they died right and we're never coming back right oh and gosh. uh but but then they go back afterwards i'm just like i just i i think wow. i just don't have the i'm just not the kind of person who to seek out yeah. that kind of experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I would go back if I had an experience like yours. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
I just want to say thank you so much for <laughs> wow. sharing this experience with us and You've just talked being me into so it and talked Brian out of it. Yeah. So. Right. No, <laughs> but great. like, I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I just, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you being so open about your relationship with depression and the various forms of treatment that you've tried to use in order to mitigate it because yeah. I mean especially as we all know in Asian American communities it's hard to speak right. to those feelings yeah, yeah no it's very taboo I mean and, and you know, not just Asian culture like yeah I mean, all all cultures all cultures but particularly yeah Asian cultures it's hard to yeah. um yeah to talk about it and feel like be allowed to have these feelings and and feel legitimized by these, these experiences yeah right. not made to feel. and because the other thing the fucking real you know the shitty thing about depression is that the depression makes you feel bad Mm -hmm. about being depressed yeah yeah Yeah. so you know it's like this self-feeding like you know it just keeps pulling you down and then you have like external things like telling you that you shouldn't feel depressed and then you feel bad about being depressed and then the depression just makes you feel even more depressed and yeah yeah like this downward spiral it's the worst thing I feel like I've had to deal with in my life. Yeah. Right. It's literally, it's something that's completely destroyed, like just decades of my life. Yeah. Right. Just gone down the fucking oh, toilet. Yeah. Right. Totally. And yeah, I think about how much I could have gotten, how much more I could have gotten done in my life if I just yeah, hadn't I feel been like just. I literally <laughs> feel like I just became alive like two years ago. Yeah. 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 For the first time in my life. Yeah. And I have like mushrooms to thank for that personally. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have bad experiences at all. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, what's the takeaway for this episode? Just maybe just. Well, the takeaway for this episode for me. Take is some magnesium. Take some magnesium. <laughs> take some magnesium. Don't do Drink some water. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't go to Tone House. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think you touched on this nicely, Nancy, is that when, when you are depressed, you, it's easy to, exacerbate it because you just start feeling bad about yourself for being depressed yeah and um in the case for you you know you were very proactive about it you weren't ashamed you just accepted that this was a part of your identity right and um Sorry. I think there's a, no no worries and i think there's a i don't know i'm just very appreciative and thankful that you came on this podcast to talk about it because i've gone through dep- depressive episodes and what's really helped me is just hearing other people speak to it and just knowing that I, you're not alone. Yeah. And this is this is an experience that a lot oh, of humans yeah. go through. I wish I wish more people talked to me about depression when I was going through it. Also, I didn't really even really know it was depression. I thought I was a loser. I literally <laughs> just hated myself so yeah. much. I mean yeah. that's that that's the insidious thing about depression is that that's what it it tricks you into thinking that you're just a bad person. Yeah, I thought I was just like a lazy fucking loser that couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. yeah. And if you're feeling now those like, things damn. like it's not it's not something to be ashamed about it's not something to be embarrassed about like no be open you're not a bad person there's resources out there for you and i don't know maybe go to your sinus doctor and ask them for some bufo (laughs) because maybe you'll have a better experience with it (laughs) i I imagine people listening to this like trying to go to the sinus doctor being like hey hey, uh you know i I really want some uh you you know you know what i'm trying to end the doctor's like claritin what do you want toad venom (laughs) what are you talking about toad venom you want a free base toad venom right Um, yeah, but thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, Nancy. My pleasure. And, oh, I just wanted to, I want to say this before we let you go. I want to thank, also want to thank you because you are unbeknownst to you. You are a big part of our family because my sister and brother-in-law, their first date was at a Juan McLean concert. No way. 
Yeah. Wow. And so when I told them that we were going to talk to you about whatever the depression, they were like, whoa, did you know that we met partially in part because of Nancy? I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Juan McLean concert. Where, where did, where, where was it? I don't remember. It was somewhere in Brooklyn. Ah. Yeah. And they met at the concert? No, that that was like That was their first date. date? They were coworkers. Ah. And that was oh. their first official first date was at that concert. Wait, Aww. they went to a concert at a Mama McLean concert on a first date? Wow. Hey, it worked out for them. I that's have true. a happy niece and nephew. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been my first choice, but I, you know, obviously it was effective, you know. It was effective, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now that's so sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any projects or anything you want to leave to our listeners before we let you go? No. Your Instagram. (laughs) No. Leave you. Like, no, don't follow me on Instagram. (laughs) Don't message me me on Instagram, please, God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can message me. I just probably won't read it. Right. (laughs) But where can our uh, listeners find you on Instagram? Um, At Nancy Wong. And how do you spell Wong? W H A N G. Great. it should be H W A N G. Should it be? Should be. Should it be? Wong. I don't know. I've, I am kind of embarrassed Wong. where you introed you as a wing. You right. got, well, I did it. I should be embarrassed, right? <laughs> don't be, don't get friend. embarrassed for me. <laughs> that's know. like that's what we're trying to not do, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, Nancy Huang. You can find her at Nancy W H A N G on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And Brian, where can we find you, Brian? You can find me on Instagram at it's Brian Park. And you can find me, Young Me Mayor, at YM Mayor. And you can follow our podcast Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast. And uh, if you haven't, leave us a review on Apple. Always helps. Helps and us reach more and listeners. C- and um, if you want, if you have a question for us, we are going to do an episode where we answer all your questions. It's actually going to be our next episode yeah. where we answer all of your fan questions. And there are some heavy questions there in there that Young Me and I need to sit and hot ones. treat with delicacy. Yeah, so if you have a question, please email us at feelingasianpodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer it next week. Awesome. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Andy. Bye. Thank Bye. you.